0: Good morning, True Life Church. There we go. That's what I want to see. Listen, lots of stuff going on in the last week. I, I would imagine there's a lot of people kind of fired up for Jesus. We had a, I know a lot of our um, college students were away at an inter-varsity retreat last weekend. How was that, everybody? Was that good? All right. I'm glad we had so much to do with it. Um, uh, we prayed for you, I promise. Um and uh, there's seven guys from our church who made it down to Jacksonville, Florida this last week. We were at the Association of Related Churches All Access Conference. And uh, I'm telling you what, man, there's seven guys who are fired up right now uh, to win our city and our region to Jesus. In fact, I know it's not just me who's fired up because uh, one of the messages during the, the week of the conference was our president, Greg Surratt, who uh, talked about the importance of young churches like ours new churches and i'm just telling you newark and the surrounding area we need more churches now uh not yesterday not not in a few years like right now and i've seen a couple new church plants pop up watching facebook and different things this last year and that excites me we need that that needs to happen but there needs to be more uh and uh and there were some interesting statistics let me tell you what you're a part of by being a part of a young church plant there was a uh, I'll, I'm going to try not to mess this up because I don't have it written down. But but basically, the statistics go like this. If you have a city um, with 100 churches in it, and I'm sorry, 25 churches in it, and uh, let's say all of those churches are 10 years old or, or older, uh, the statistics say that the percentage of the population in that city that loves Jesus, that has a relationship with Jesus, is in decline. All right? If you take a city that has 25 churches and five of them or ten of them um, are new, young church plants, all right, so they're two to five years old or a year to five years old, then, then the statistics say that, that uh, you're not necessarily in decline, but you're pretty much at break-even. You're not growing anywhere. all right. No new believers. Basically, you have mostly churches that are shifting believers around, which is okay. Transfer between churches is fine. Sometimes God moves people for different reasons. Sometimes things happen and people need to move. Um, we've had people come to our church from other churches and that's okay. We've had people from our church that we've encouraged to go somewhere else and that's okay too. All right. Um, so, so all of that is, all of that's fine, but ultimately the goal is to what? Win souls and populate heaven, right? Isn't that what we want to do? Come on. That should have been a louder amen. All right. So that's good. (laughs) all right. And, and so but here's the deal. In in cities where um, 10 or more of those churches are new church plants, they're young, healthy church plants. We're actually we're actually going to start to see the percentage of the population who has a relationship with Jesus start to climb. And so when I say we need more churches and listen, True Life Church, we're not it. We don't have it all figured out. The thing we have going for us is we're new and we're young and we're fired up about winning souls for Jesus, and so you're a, you're a part of that. You're a part of potentially seeing. Come on, how many would like to look back in ten years at the statistics for Newark and Newcastle County and Cecil County and see the percentage of believers go up? Wouldn't that be awesome? All right. So we're a part of that. And listen, we give. Last month we gave over two thousand dollars to other church plants around the nation. This month we'll give well over two thousand dollars to help other church plants around the country, and your giving has been absolutely stellar. I just got to tell you, I'm so proud of you, so proud of what our church is doing. Uh, In the month of March, we had one of the best giving months. I think it was probably the second or third best giving month in the history of our church. And uh, check this out. Last weekend, after two Sundays of April, you'd already beat March. All right, so come on, that's incredible. God is doing some cool stuff, and uh, it's good. All right, that's good. You're going to hear these guys that went to the conference we got some inside jokes, so you might hear them. All right, it's good enough. All right. Yep, that's good. All right. So what happens when you have really overzealous people sitting in the row behind you and they're driving you crazy and they're leaning right up in your ear going, "That's good, it's good. And you just make fun of them. All right. So we want to, that's what you do when you get together with a bunch of other pastors. You make fun of each other. All right. So uh, I just want to welcome everybody, man, maybe if you're visiting for the first time, We are so excited you're here. Come on, let's let all of the visitors know how we feel about them. Don't worry, we have a no-hassle guarantee at True Life. We're not going to make you stand up or embarrass you. Nobody's going to show up at your house this afternoon with a fruitcake or anything. All right, nobody's going to show up and be a fruitcake. All right, you see what I did there? All right, so we're, we're just glad you're here, and I've wasted five minutes talking about nothing. All right. Where they Come on now. <laughs> I'm never going to get through this message. All right, so we started this series a few weeks ago talking about how almost everyone in our country, everyone in the Western cultures is probably aware of the name of Jesus, has some idea of who Jesus is, but most people actually don't have an accurate picture of, of who he is. We have these ideas that are based on uh, our family traditions or hearsay or religion and and uh, so, what we've been doing during the series is taking each week uh, uh, just one little slice of who Jesus is, breaking it down, talking about it. And uh, and so this week we're going to talk about Jesus is worthy. He is worthy of worship, and something that you already participated in this morning in a way by singing songs to God and and lifting Him up. And uh, and so here here's kind of I just want to give kind of a little bit of disclaimer on the topic this week because. Um, Even though he's definitely worthy and we're talking about a characteristic of Jesus, this action of worship is kind of one of those things that um, relies on us a little bit more than maybe some of the other topics that we've talked about. All of the the topics that we're talking about require some sort of uh, participation or action steps by us to see the fruit of those things um, happen in our lives. Just like last week, Joel talked about the importance of realizing that Jesus is our replacement, that the wages of sin is death. And uh, left to our own devices, we would have never had a chance of having an eternal life. But Jesus came and paid the price for us, and because He did that, it just it, it just works perfectly. The flow works perfectly because of what Jesus did for us. He deserves the very best worship, the very best honor, the very best glory that we can bring to Him. And so I want to I want to talk about that this week. And I just want to I heard I was planning on I learned a lesson a couple of years ago when I went to a conference because I came home. All fired up from the conference, and I tried to preach everything that I was feeling the next Sunday, and that doesn't work, because um, you're bouncing around from topic to topic and, and all that stuff. But I did hear one guy talk on the topic of worship this last week, and I loved one of the things that, that he said, and I, it just it never really occurred to me this way before. I want you to think about this, that, that worship is one of the only things that God has never participated in. Because who would God worship? There's there's nobody above him. There's nobody higher. There's nobody greater, and uh, and it's so it's it's this thing that we were created for. We were created to bring honor and glory, and worship to the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I'm excited about that. I'm excited that that we have a God who wants to interact with us, in that way. And it's really important to me. And I just, just I need you to hear this this morning because this is kind of a cultural thing that we're talking about. It's it's important that this gets down deep inside of our souls and our spirits and and is in the lifeblood of our church. It's so important to me that True Life Church is a worshiping church. Do you understand that? It, it, It is so important to me that when we open the doors on Sunday and the seats fill up, that we don't exalt our problems, that we don't exalt cool graphics or videos or media that... That, that we're not here to exalt one person or, or a band on a stage or, or a pastor or a speaker, that, that our culture is one where the name of Jesus Christ gets lifted up consistently, where it's always about Him, where it's always about making His name famous, where it's always about talking about what He's done. Because listen, there's no life change in anything else. Yeah, you can clap for that. Woo! And I believe what you see, even on Sundays, with just kind of the... Uh, i, I don 't know how you feel about it, but I feel like our guys who lead us in in musical worship do it with excellence week in and week out and uh, and i 'm proud of that, yeah, you could clap for them, they do a great job but but I want to tell you something i don't i don 't think we like stumbled into that i don 't think God was just like hey you 're going to need a lot of help, so let me send you some talented people. I don't think it was. I don't think it was that kind of thing. I remember my wife and I before we even moved back to the area to plant True Life Church. When we were still living in Jacksonville, Florida, and we were part of a great worship culture there. Some of the guys got to experience that this week. We started praying, God. We want to have a church where people passionately worship you. And we do it with excellence. And we started praying for that from day one. And the very first time we met with our worship guys back in August of 2011, when they started having their very first rehearsals, we set the bar high. We said, hey, God deserves our best. We bring our best to God always. And I feel like God has honored that. He's blessed us. In fact, there's more musicians in the pipeline that you guys haven't even seen on stage yet. Some of them will audition at the end of this month. And uh, I just feel like God is creating a culture in our church where worship's a big deal. And we should be thankful for that. We should be thankful that God has blessed us in that way. Because I'm going to tell you, there's some there's some places where that's not the case. Where that doesn't happen. So we're not better. We're just blessed. And I will take that blessing. Are you with me? All right. So I want to talk to you this morning about... about uh, some. We talked about music a little bit. But here's, here's the truth. When I say the word worship, when I say I'm going to talk to you about worship, most of our minds jump to... Music. We jump to this 30 minutes, 25 minutes that we typically spend together on a Sunday morning, singing a song, words on the screen. And so we just, a lot of us think that that's what worship is. Worship is music. And what I, the idea I kind of want to submit to you today is that worship is actually way bigger than that. Much bigger than that. In fact, if you're taking notes, I would write this down. And, and, and you'll notice we didn't do the fill in the blanks. This week because I really just wanted to kind of pastor you through this topic of worship Um, I didn't want to just give you information But there are a few things that I I think you would want to write down and and one of them I would write down if I were you is this idea that worship is a lifestyle Worship is not something we participate in a couple times a week in a church service or when we've got a few minutes to turn on some Worship music at home and the or in the car worship is actually a lifestyle worshiping god Because if if we're, Jesus said, God is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. And so I think, man, that's something that actually becomes a part of the fabric of who we are. And I'm at a place in my life and where I hope that you can get to is where I just want everything I do to be worship to God. I want everything to to give him honor and glory. I don't really, I don't want to take credit for anything because if I take credit for something, it's probably going to get messed up. And what i found is things have a much better chance of being sustainable and working the way they're supposed to when they belong to God and not to me. So, so worship is a lifestyle. And, and I really want to hit that hard today because while the music component is important and singing songs on Sunday is an important component of what we do. Listen, do you know why we do worship? Just I want you to think about this for a second. I was talking with one of the guys on our trip about this. Do you you know why we do worship in church? It's not so we can, like, impress you with cool music to start the service. I want you to think, picture this. Picture you walk into church, you sit down in your seat, and the very first thing that happens is I get up and start talking to you. Is anybody's heart ready to receive anything that I have to say? Probably not. So worship is actually, it's kind of this thing that, it's really hard to explain. It's this thing that kind of, Sets us up and it gets our hearts conditioned and gets us in the right frame of mind and the right atmosphere for God to speak to us and change our lives. That's why we tell our worship guys it's so important that on Sunday mornings, everything between you and Jesus is worked out and you've got it right. And so that because you can't lead a congregation to a place that you haven't been yourself. Yeah, I was waiting for that one to sink in. That's good. So, the musical forms of worship, they're only a small fraction of what worship should be. Paul talked about it a little bit in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies, uh oh, to God because of all he has done for you. For you. Look at the person next to you and say, For you. God, see, now I'm getting all. We're going to go Pentecostal this morning. I'm making you talk to your neighbor. You know it's going somewhere when I'm making you talk to your neighbor. Y'all better start shouting. Give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Sacrifice is one of these things that throughout Scripture is actually interchangeable many times with the act of of worship. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, it was one of the primary forms of worship was to bring a sacrifice to God. And so here Paul's saying, hey, let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you'll find acceptable. And then look at this last sentence, because this is where it all comes together. This is truly the way to what? Worship. Worship him. So it's much bigger than music. It's much bigger than singing songs. Worship is a part of, it has to be a part of who we are. It has to be a part of our fabric. I I spent some time last week because I wrote my message before I traveled so that I wouldn't come home and just blurt all the stuff on you. And um, so I was digging through like several Bible dictionaries and concordances and, and study tools that I have. And on this word, worship, because the word we use in the English language for worship, if you look back through Hebrew and Greek and the text that was originally written in the Bible, there's not actually a straight, translation to the word worship. It actually morphed over time. In fact, the act of worship used to be more of, we would use a word to pay homage to God or to pay honor, to bring honor to God. We honor him through acts of worship. We lift him up. We elevate him and we lower everything else through acts of worship. But this word we use, worship, actually came from an old English word, one of the old English compound words, that was if you want to write this down just for fun, you can. The old English word was spelled W E O R T H S C I P E. Worth SIP. Alright? And if you broke it down, you would actually be worth ship. Worth ship. And the two words that made that word is the word worth, which we all know that means value or worth. But the sip part portion of that word actually means shape or condition so with our worship is a lifestyle with worship we're we are constantly if we're worshiping we are constantly ascribing worth and value to our creator we're always ascribing worth and and pointing to him and saying him he did it he's the one i love him he's bigger than everything else he's first in my life worth we describe worship Worship includes singing on Sundays and and in your car. And if you're like me in your basement, uh, I just got this, our basement's kind of messy because we've still got boxes and stuff from moving and we get a little pack ratty sometimes. But I've got a trail down there and I call it, it's my prayer trail. So I'll just put on worship music and I've got enough room that I can pace because I don't like to sit still when I'm worshiping and praying. And so I'll put on worship music and I just walk around my basement, man. And I just lift up God, and I just tell Him how much I love Him, and I, I thank Him for everything He's done. in my. And so I just pace back and forth across my basement, and I, and I just lift up God, and I talk to God, because and, and, uh, I'm just so thankful for it. So that's a piece of it. But worship, if it's a lifestyle, it also includes some other things, like, like the way we talk. The way we talk to each other. In fact, I shared a scripture out of Matthew with some of our worship team a couple of weeks ago where Jesus said that we'll be held accountable for every idle word that we speak. If so in, in other words, nothing you say doesn't matter. It all matters. Because with every word that we say, we're worshiping something. The way we talk, the way we interact with or treat people can be worship. The way we, here's one, this one not sting a little bit. The way we treat our families I want the way I treat my family to bring honor to God. You, you see that? Make, are we making the connection? Are we tracking you with me? Or does it just sting? All right. So, so the way we treat our families is, is a sign of worship. The way we give both to God and to others. So, so listen, when we take the offering today at the end of service, we're, we're not fundraising. It's not a fundraiser. It's worship. It's, it's, it's us lowering ourselves and elevating the kingdom of God above everything else through our finances and saying, I love you, Jesus. Here you go. And it's not just what you do in church. It's the way you give outside of church. So when you're walking down the street and you see that guy who just looks like he's hungry, or you just for fun in the drive-thru at Starbucks pay for the person behind you, just because just you want them to know Jesus loves them, that's worship. worship. That's a good place to amen. That's worship. The way we give is is worship. The way we work in our jobs. Students, I would say the way you study. Do you do do it with excellence so that you can give God honor and glory for it? In other words, everything. Say everything. Everything has the potential to be. Worship in our lives and so after digging through all of these tools and reading and reading and reading and reading I came up with a definition for our church of what I want you to think of and and it's going to be on the screen You can write it down if you want to this is our definition as a church of worship any action Thought speech attitude or prayer that elevates the position of god to first and brings honor and glory to him That's worship And I want to be a worshiping church. Come on, do you want to be a worshiping church? I do. I want everything we do, man, to elevate God and take everything else and bring it down. Bring it down a notch. Anytime we put God first, we worship. We should worship God with our entire lives. And and I want you just to think about this. Just think about if we took as as a church body, as a family, if we could take the next seven days... And live lives of worship. Can you imagine, once we came back together for corporate worship together and the music started, can you just imagine the intensity level that we would feel in this room? If if we spent the next seven days going, everything I do, man, it's worship, and I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. Because that's not always easy. You're going to go through some times where you're like, I don't really want to worship right now. I just want to punch that guy in the face. I I, I know. I, I know what that's like. All right? I uh I've had moments of anger. I may or may not have hit Kevin Twitchell with a rental van this week. The good news is the church has insurance. All right. I really did. Look, man, look, look. Wait. Dan's fine. Kevin, I think, is fine. Um, we had a scare, but he's fine. Poor Lynn, almost had a heart attack. and uh, But it's all good. I was We split up, okay? We had split up. The guys went out to have some fun and do some stuff. I had to go meet with some other pastors. I, we got back to the hotel approximately the same time. And so I just did the old, you know, it's fun. When you see a group of friends, you rev your engine, and you kind of go towards them, you know. Well, all the other guys know I'm crazy, so they moved. But Kevin didn't move, and and so I had to let him know I was serious. If you don't move, you're getting hit. So everybody's going to be racing to get out of here after church. Make sure you're out of the parking lot before the pastor. He'd kill you. All right. So if you sin, we punish. All right. That's just how I go. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What was I talking about? Everything you do has the potential to be an act of worship. Uh, I forgot to give the tangent warning there. All right. Everything we do has an active, has the potential to be an act of worship, except hitting your friends with cars. I don't know how you glorify God with that, unless you just have a healing service right afterwards. But, but I think there's, there's a, really just one kind of like big, fat, hairy roadblock to living a life of worship. <laughs> that didn't work with the, with the Kevin story, did it? That is where a picture of angry Kevin needs to come up on the screen right there. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kevin. That was the big, fat, Everything was in my notes. The story wasn't. So it's just a bad, bad transition. This is, we're way off track right now. There, I think all of us deal with kind of really one. Now, it may take on different forms, but all of us deal with kind of one major roadblock. To worshiping God. And it's uh, it's found, well, let me just say this first. Everyone, you might want to write this down, everyone worships something. Everyone worships something. Everyone puts something first. So if God's not first, you're worshiping something else. It could be your job. It could be your ambitions, your goals, your kids. It could even be ministry. And I, I've, that's one of the things that as a pastor, I just keep in front of me all the time. And we talked about that with some of the guys this week, that we should never fall in love with the, the work of ministry and allow it to replace being in love with Jesus. Because it's, it's all about Him. It's all about Him. And everybody worships something. And God doesn't like being put in any position other than first. Everybody seen Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby? Anybody seen that movie? Shake and bake. bake. All right. It's the one time that Ricky's dad could, if he was talking about theology, he might actually be right. What's he say? If you're not first, you're last. All right. And and I love Ricky Bobby. That's dumb. You got your second, your third, your fourth. (laughs) But in, in our spiritual walk, if God's not first, guys, he might as well be last. Because God will only accept first place. It's, it's all he's interested in in our lives is being first. And when we get in first, stuff just as a way of kind of working out the way, it doesn't mean there's no trials, it doesn't mean there's never any suffering, it doesn't mean there's never any pain, but things just have a way of working out in a way that will bring him honor and glory when we put him First, check it out. He was talking to his people about it in the Ten Commandments. It's the first one, Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 10. He says, you must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children. Skip down to verse 10. I lavish unfailing love for the thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. And so what God is saying is, if I'm first, things go well. If I'm any place else, the wheels might come off. And listen, this is not a question of salvation at this point. You can have Jesus in your heart and still not be living a God first life. And you'll actually find yourself frustrated with God. And it's, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Because he desires for us to live lives of worship. Lives that honor him and glorify him. Our marriages, married couples, our marriages ought to be something that honor and glorify God. In our culture where they never work, people ought to look at our marriages and go, what in the world? They've been married 20 years and they can't keep their hands off each other. Yes! I was away from my wife for a week, you know, so I couldn't wait to get home, man. I just wanted to hug on her and kiss on her and 12. Listen, listen, tw- I've been married 12 years and it's sad because in our culture, most people have lost that in the first year. Now, I want to be with my wife. I want our family to be something that honors God, that brings worship To him. And so I want you to keep that scripture in mind. God says, No idols. Because the big thing that keeps us here's the big roadblock that can keep us from living lives of worship. It takes on many forms, but it's one roadblock, and it's simply idolatry. And an idol is anything in your life that takes first place. It could be a relationship, it could be money. It could be materialism, but anything in our life that we become a slave to, it could be an addiction, anything that takes first place in our life and removes God from that spot can be an idol for us. And look what, look what happens here. We're going to go to Luke chapter four, verse five. Jesus has been baptized. He's now full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he's fasting. He goes without food for 40 days, so he can't be in a good mood. Then Satan shows up and starts tempting him. And I just want, to, I want you to look at one of the temptation that, temptations that Satan lobs in front of Jesus. It's in Luke 4, 5-8. to 8. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So I don't know how this works. But somehow they're looking at the, the expanse of time. And they're seeing all of the kingdoms of the world. Past, present, future. And he says, I'll give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said. Because they're mine to give to anyone I please. Now, is that true? What is Satan? He's the father of lies. But when you haven't eaten for 40 days, you might fall for it. I'll give it all to you if you'll what? Worship me. In other words, remove your father from first. Remove your calling and your purpose from first. Bow down to me and I'll make this easy. Man, isn't that the lie of the enemy? Isn't that the, isn't that the thing, he, the trap he catches us in so often? Hey, hey, your marriage, is, it's, it's rocky. It's falling apart. If you just, if, listen, if you'll just buy into this idea that, that you married the wrong person and you don't really love each other anymore and look, I've got this person over here. Come on, I'll give you that. If you'll just remove God from first and do it my way. I see it all the time, man, in the lives of believers. We, 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 ha- we say we want to have God first, and we say we want to do life God's way, but as soon as there's an opportunity to do it a different way, and the enemy has tricked us into thinking that, that the fruit of doing it that way is going to be more appealing, then we start saying things like, I, I here's how here's a great symptom of idolatry in our lives we start using these two words yeah but hey you should put god first with your finances and be a good steward and give and sow into the kingdom yeah but i don't really see how i'd afford that right now that's the point god wants to show you how he can do a miracle in your life that's the whole point you should stick it out, man. You should fight for your family. Fight for your marriage. Get on your knees and, and don't seek a replacement. Seek the face of God and, and go after the Holy Spirit and ask him to heal your family because he can, he can do it. Yeah, but it would really be easier to just walk away. It's a great sign that maybe there's an idolatry issue in our lives. We start using those words. Yeah, but Jesus recognizes Satan's offer. He realizes, hey, this is idolatry and immediately rejects it. He knows Satan's lying to him. And so here's the big question of the day. It's the big one. This is the big one. And I want you to write it down if you're taking notes. I want you to just ask yourself, what do I really, really is important. What do I really worship with my life? I mean, really. Some of you, you can proudly say, Jesus. Some of us can write that. And and others of us can't. And listen, it's not a condemnation or a guilt thing. This is just the Holy Spirit revealing the reality of where we're at in our lives. All right. So I don't want you sitting there feeling all beat up and slapped around. That's not what this is about. This is about having our eyes open and realizing where we're at, being honest about where we're at so that we can go, man, I couldn't write Jesus. Let's work on that. Let's work on it together. Let's figure out how to put God first. What does is, what is idolatry tend to look like? I was, I was praying and reading, hoping I could find a scripture that would sum up some of the modern day forms of idolatry that we see. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it's in the Bible? It's crazy. 1 John 2.16 For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see. And pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away. It's temporary, guys. Along with everything that people crave. Did you catch that? Everything that you crave is temporary. It's fading away. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So so idolatry tends to take on a few forms. The first one we saw there is, is physical pleasure. Now, I don't think all physical pleasure is idolatry or sin. If you go to Six Flags and you enjoy riding the nitro like I do, that's not sin. If you max out your credit card and you never take care of your needs and your family and you go to Six Flags every day because you're addicted to the roller coaster, that'd be, it's really weird. You should see a counselor. But then that would be idolatry. That would be sin. This would be where lust, adultery and addictions can get in the way of us living lives of worship. Physical pleasure. The things we see. This would be where materialism comes into play or or serving being a slave to money or you know we just we live in this culture where we're like I just got to have more stuff. I need st- Give me, give me, give me stuff. More stuff. I just want to add stuff. I've got one room in my house that doesn't have a flat screen TV yet. Huh? That's, a, that's an abomination. I've got to have a flat screen in every room. So more stuff. Listen, I got no problems with flat screens all over your house. If God's first and you're a steward, he, he'll bless you. You can have as much stuff as you want. I don't care about that. It's when we serve stuff. It's when we're a slave to stuff. That it becomes a problem. The things we see, materialism, money, status, pride in our achievements and possession. Paul said we should only boast of what God has done. And we can get to a place where even like you can become your own idol. Because we, we love our own gifts and talents a little bit too much, and this is one of our, the warnings that we always give to with a, a worship team audition coming up. I'll just say this: it's a warning that we always give to the talented and artistic people, because because talent and artistic talented and artistic people have kind of this it's a God given thing that's inside of them to want to kind of draw some attention, and that's actually okay to a point. The here's the big switcheroo, though. I was talking with John Larson, who's a worship pastor at one of America's greatest worshiping churches. Kevin and I were having a conversation with him. He said this. It just stuck with me. He said artistic people are, are, are kind of made to want some attention. The problem is when we start to crave that attention because our job is to get the attention. When these guys get on stage on Sunday, their job is to get everybody's attention this way and then turn into like giant mirrors that just reflect it up to Jesus. We want to be people that just reflect everything up to God. Hey, y'all, watch this. And everybody's like, oh, that sounds really good. I'm being, obviously, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But that's what we want to do, man. Listen, I want, I want the life of our church. When people look at True Life Church, I want them to go, Man, have you do you know anything about True Life Church and I want people to say, "Yeah, man, they're just like crazy in love with Jesus." It's all about Jesus over there. Everything they do, the answer to everything, we've made this joke several times. Is Jesus. It's Jesus. I spent some time recently with a, a pretty successful businessman. And my heart was so blessed, man. And encouraged because every time we began to speak about business and the successes that this person was experiencing, the conversation immediately turned to Jesus and building his kingdom. Hey, man, that's awesome. You, you started with nothing and God has done. And, and, and the answer was always, yeah, it's Jesus. How did you do that? What was the secret? Jesus. I've built a business on honoring Jesus. And I just want to tell you this morning, guys, that God has called us to be a church that draws attention and reflects it to him. We're going to to do it on Newark Day. We're going to put a booth on the street. We're, We're going to do it the day before we start our Summer at the Movie series. Oh, yes, it's coming back. Popcorn and soda on Sunday morning. I feel the Holy Spirit. All right. We're going to we're going to rent a popcorn machine. We're going to hand out bags of popcorn with the True Life logo and the True Life website on it. We're going to encourage people to come back the next day and have fun in church and, and and but you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to draw a little bit of attention so that we can just reflect it right to God. Turn it to Jesus. So how do I become a worshipper? What do I do with all this? I want to make worship my lifestyle. We could we could talk all day about ways to become a worshipper. But I want to break it down into just a few easy steps for you. If we want to live lives of worship, there's, there's a few things that we need to do. And the first one is we've got to deal with the idols. We've got to deal with the idols. And as we've talked today, if, I hope that the Holy Spirit has just kind of whispered to some hearts. When, I, when we ask that question, what do you really worship? Who's, what is really first in your life? And I hope the Holy Spirit just whispered something to you. Maybe like, your job. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, money. And not not so that you could lay there and wallow in guilt and shame, but just so that you can make a decision to fix it today. And live a God-first life. We've got to deal, we've got to figure out how to live our lives with the, I call it the God-first alarm going off. All the time. 2 Corinthians 10, 17 says, As the Scriptures say, If you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. And so, if we're going to deal with the idols, we've got to start living lives where when we're faced with a decision or an opportunity to gratify or to boast, the first question should always be, does God want it? Will God get credit for it? And the second question should always be, how could I honor God with this? You have an opportunity to change careers. God, do you want it? Okay? God, how can I honor you with it? How can I worship you with it? Maybe you're one of those talented artistic people. You have an opportunity to go do something, be a part of something, play in a concert somewhere, I don't know. There's two questions I want to encourage you to ask. God, do you want it? And how do I honor you with it? Got to deal with the idols. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to participate in worship privately. Privately. After a bad day, when your kids are going crazy, when your newborn is spitting up all over you. That's just me, I guess. When it feels like everything is unraveling, you know what you need to do? Go get alone with God, worship Him. Lift him, don't exalt your, don't, I'm going to get on a tangent. Stop getting on Facebook and complaining about everything. Go worship God, man. What is that? What did I miss? You got to put it up there now. I'm not turning around until I see it. Tangent, yes. All right. Seriously, man. Go worship God. Nobody on Facebook can fix your problems. I'm mad at Facebook. Remember when you used to get on Facebook and type your own thoughts? Nobody does that anymore. They just share somebody's picture with something they wish they'd said. Whoever invented the meme, like, I wish lightning would strike them. I don't want to see what you thought. Somebody... Tell me about your life. It's ridiculous. Worship God. See, every time I see one of those dumb things, I have to go worship because I just want to shotgun my computer screen. All right. I do. I worship a lot. Psalm 62, 1 and 2. The psalmist says, I wait quietly before God for my victory. Come on. Anybody feel like you're fighting some battles in your life today? For my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I'll never be shaken. James 4, 7 and 8. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. And then I love this. Things are going crazy. Come close to God. And God'll come close to you. You've got to participate in worship privately and then and what we're going to participate in together here in just a second. I want you to participate in worship publicly or or we would talk we would call this corporate worship. and this is what most of us think of when we think of worship. When you come to church on Sunday or maybe this isn't your home church, maybe you're going somewhere else next week. Can I just encourage you when you get to church on Sunday, don't worship a little bit. Go for it. Go for it, man. I, I, I stood I was absolutely blown away. On um was it was it Wednesday of the conference, guys? That the emotion was pretty heavy. I mean I just sobbed like a baby most of the afternoon. It was it was ridiculous. But I watched um I have so much respect for Pastor Rick Warren. He wrote Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church. And many of you saw the news headlines last week. His, his son committed suicide. He pastors a, a church of 38,000 people out in California. And he was supposed to be at the conference we were at this week as one of the speakers. And he Skyped in and talked with us through video. It was his first public appearance since the suicide. And I saw something I've never witnessed before, ever. And he actually said this. He, and I, I know Rick has already been through some trials. His wife has battled breast cancer and, and different things. And, and he actually said this. He said, I'm, I'm fearless. I'm more fearless than I've ever been. My life is going to bring honor and glory to God. And he said, he said, Satan, is that the best you've got, the suicide of one of my children? Is that all you can throw at me? I'm fearless and i'm going go i'm going to go glorify and honor God with my life. Listen, you know what worship is worship is your it's your opportunity to take all the junk that the enemy's trying to lob into your life and just stick it right back in his face That's why I, when I make it down here when I finally shut up back there and I make it down here on Sundays. I don't ever want to be the person that people look at and go, well, he's not really into it today. I will bounce and jump and shout and clap and sing as loud and as hard as my body will let me. Because it's my opportunity to to say, God, you're doing it. Satan doesn't want this church here. He doesn't want us to reach lost people in Newark. He doesn't want us to change the atmosphere of the campus of the University of Delaware. Satan doesn't want any of that. He's working overtime to stop it. But we serve a God who's bigger. And we lift him up. And we, we celebrate him on Sunday. So just go for it when you worship, man. Next, we're going to give you an opportunity in just a minute to worship a little bit. And I'm encouraging you. Go for it. Psalm 95, 1 and 2. Come, let us sing. So we should all sing. Well, that's not really my personality. <laughs> I mean, the people around me, they can sing loud, but that's not really me. Okay. We'll go find the guy with the weird voice version of the Bible and we re- re- rewrite it for you. Come, let us sing to the Lord! Exclamation point! Let us shout! Everybody shout! See, it's not weird, it's biblical! I'm not a shouter. That's not really me. What Bible do you read? Shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. Psalm 134.2. Lift up your hands. Oh boy, now it's getting weird. We're the hand raising church. They're weird in there. They lift their hands. I didn't write it. It's in the Bible. Everybody watch. Okay, watch. We'll, we'll do this together. We're going to break this demon off of everybody right now. You ready? Get Put your hands right here. Just get them right here. All right. Get ready. Ready? Watch. Nothing weird is going to happen. All right. Now, come on. Little, little. Okay, stop, because some people are getting nervous. They're getting nervous. This is as far as it's been for some of you ever right here. You're like... All right, a little more. Come on. Right here. Oh, yeah. See, now back in the charismatic movement, this was the receiving position, right? You don't want to worship like this. You want to receive, receive. You got to have your hands so that Jesus can lay babies in there. All right. All right. All right, a little more. Come on. A little more. Come on. Let's get them. Get them all. Over. Look, you're on. You're not a weirdo. You're okay. You're doing it. Come on. worship. We lift our hands. It says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Psalm 47, 1 and 2. Come everyone, clap your hands. Why do we clap during the fast songs? Because it's it's worship. We're just, listen. You're like, but you kind of look silly sometimes. That's the point. (laughs) David danced till his clothes fell off. Don't do that. We'll tase you. <laughs> Some you like. <laughs> Clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise for the Lord most high is awesome. He's the great king of all the earth. And giving, man, giving is that act of worship. Many scriptures on this. Here's one of them. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good. Do good, church. And to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Come on, I want to be a worshiping church. I want people to go, man, everything there just gets reflected up to Jesus. G- it's all about lifting up Jesus. Because here's the thing, we're back to Romans 12.1. Because of what he did for us, he, Jesus is worthy. He's, worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Band, I want you to come up. Loosen up right now, all right? All right? We can clap. Come on, everybody clap. That's an act of worship. You can shout. All right. Matt's not shouting. I'm coming back there. You can shout. You can lift your hands. All right? So here's how we're going to end the service today. Here's how we're going to end the message. We're going to practice this. We're going to practice it. I've asked the guys just to lead us. I've asked them to lead us in, in, a, in one of the songs that we already sang earlier today. So you've had a chance to learn the words a little bit. And here's what I want to ask you to do. Don't be this. Don't be that guy. Well. I'm just not comfortable with that. Duh. Worshiping God is sometimes about doing what's uncomfortable. Because it's more important to us to celebrate and lift up Him than to lift up what's comfortable to us. Woo! So everybody stand up on your feet. We're going to... In a second, we're going to worship. But before we do, I want you just every head bowed, every eye closed for just a second. Because here's the, here's the big thing. Everybody close your eyes. Private moment between you, me, and Jesus. Close your eyes all across the room. Because you can't worship a God you don't know. That's exciting. It that all sounds fun. But here's the thing. You can't worship him if you don't know him. And so I think may, maybe there's a, one or two people, maybe more in this room today, who you've never had an authentic moment where you invited Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior and surrendered your life to him. So before I ask you to worship, I want to make sure you know the God we're about to sing